folks. You like blood, violence, freaks of nature? Well, then come on down to Captain Spaulding's Museum of Monsters and Madmen. <laughs> yeah, see the alligator boy. Ride my famous murder ride. Most of all, don't forget to take home some of my tasty fried chicken. Ha <laughs> ha! It just tastes so damn good. What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rock Strikes 10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. Okay, yes, it is now time for the long-promised top 50 albums from the year 2003 and like I said at the top of episode 601, where we kicked off the super spectacular retrospective of 2003, I said, don't think for a second that just because 2003 is not a heralded year in the history of music, and specifically rock music and all that implies, don't think that just because of all of that, that this is going to be a ho-hum countdown, because damn, there are some all-time faves of mine on this countdown, and this is a tight 50. It is all quality, and I am happy to bring this one to you. Very proud of this one, especially. Also, like I said at the top of that Odds and Ends episode, I was doing the CD store thing, managing a CD store in 2003. So I listened to a lot of stuff in 03, and even the stuff I missed out on, I've caught up on this year. So there's some surprises even for me on this countdown, but... It's just a really super cool collection of records here, and I'm going to bring them to you. Starting with this one right here, despite the fact that we're in the year 2003, this is probably one of the most vetted acts on the entire countdown, meaning they've been around probably longer than most of the acts on this list. I'd say about 20% of this list is like super old school bands, so I'd put them in this category. But a personal favorite of mine, a band that always puts me in a good mood, Crocus. Yes, Crocus actually put out their 14th studio album in 2003 called Rock the Block. And it is a fun Crocus record just like I was looking for here, even in the year 2003. It doesn't matter what year it is. It's always time to have some Crocus in your life. So we're going to kick off the show and this entire countdown here in fun fashion with this standout jam right here from Crocus's Rock the Block album. This is Go My Way. Turn it up. 
what is this 1983 or 2003 and i mean that in the best possible way because 83 ruled as far as i'm concerned if i talked about that enough earlier in this last year here but yes no matter what year you're in it's always a good time to check out some crocus and does that sound even remotely dated in a sense like it does sound like a crocus album and song that came out in 1983 and i love that Mark Starachi, still sounding like Mark Starachi, and there you go. Yeah, Rock the Block, Crocus, album number 50. I'm like, why didn't I put that higher? But I, I well, hey, personal favorites be damned. This is going to be a great countdown. I know at this point it might even sound like I'm getting desperate, like, Joey, you're really trying to sell us on this one, but I'm going to let the music do the talking when I'm not talking, and I think you're going to agree with me by the end of this whole thing, and I think there's going to be a lot of extra new bands in your regular rotation after these episodes and hell of crocus is one of them the mission accomplished i've already done my job here so yes so coming in at number 49 right here this band's seventh album and i would say easily their heaviest album and this is a band that always brings the heavy so calling this their heaviest album should be saying something that should cut just a little bit deeper because Biohazard, those absolutely insane hardcore natives of Brooklyn, they put out this record here in 2003 called Killer Be Killed. And whenever I can make out the lyrics, and for the most part I can, which is why I like Biohazard. And who doesn't love a good hardcore punk metal thrash kind of crossover? It's a great hybrid of styles that just fits so damn well together. But these guys being from the boroughs out there of New York, it's very on-the-nose, 9-11 reactionary type stuff. And it's just an angry, mad, heavy record. And at no point does it really take any sides politically. It mostly just is like, why the fuck did this happen? And whoever did this is the worst people of all time. So I, I can get behind that for sure. But yeah, even if you're someone that doesn't pay attention to the lyrics, this is a heavy cruncher of an album. So it'll get the job done no matter where you're coming from. I guess the only kind of people that wouldn't like this album would be people that don't like heavy music and or people that are actual real life terrorists. So that all being said... I'm just going to play the opening track from it because it just gets the job done. It really lets you know right on the front end what you're going to get yourself into by putting on this record. So yes, to represent the album Killer Be Killed, this is Biohazard with World on Fire.
Number 49 on the top 50 albums of 2003 countdown. We've already been through the two big yin yangs of heavy metal right there with Crocus and now with Biohazard, the two extreme sides of the coin to be sure. But yes, that was World on Fire from their Kill or Be Killed album. And if you're listening to this early in the morning, then that was your freaking audio caffeine right there. All right. Coming in at number 48 here. A band that I talked about during the odds and ends of 2003. I played their cover version of Marvin Gaye's Inner City Blues, which was a DVD audio track only on the supplemental material for this particular record right here. And this would be Seven Dust's fourth album called Seasons, which came out here in the fall of 03. Interesting note, produced by Butch Walker, along with the band co-producing. I believe this is the only time that they collaborated with Butch Walker. And I say collaborated... Because with Butch on this particular album, you didn't just get a producer. Butch co-wrote the first six songs on this record. So if you think that this album is front-loaded, then that might be the reason why. But I gotta say, I really like the element of bringing Butch in and collaborating with these guys. Because the third album, is it's alright. I liked it okay. I think it actually bubbled under in my previous countdown for 2002. It was an animosity, I believe it was called. So I actually appreciate the slightly more song-based approach to this album, or melodic approach, however you want to put it. Pop sensibility, let's just go with that. I like my metal with a bit of pop sensibility. So I thought this was a cool record for that reason, on that principle, but also songs are better. And I've said this before, I'm getting kind of back on a 7-dust kick. I unfairly Weezered them, as I like to say. Like a lot of the hipsters just gave up on Weezer after the first two albums. I did that with 7-dust. And apparently I was wrong. So, yeah, really doing the first top-to-bottom listen of this record. And it's aged quite well. And weirdly enough, as much as I put over Butch Walker being the producer and co-writer of half this record... My favorite song that I'm going to include for this particular entry is not even one of those songs. It's a lone Clint Lowry right here towards the end of the record. A really cool song right here. This is called Burned Out. Enjoy. Stick around and see the ugly look on my face. You always come around when my will is broken and I can barely stand on my two feet. Was it something I said that you can't forget? What you know?
The number 48 entry on this countdown belongs to Seven Dust and their fourth album, Seasons, right there. That song was called Burned Out. Hope you enjoyed that. And number 47 here is an album by a band that I am a fan of, and I actually got into this band even more because of my best friend and brother here, Chris, the CFCNJ Radio. And by the dawn of the 21st century, I was all in with this band. And in 2000, they put out my personal favorite album of theirs, an album called Conspiracy of One. So I was really anticipating this record right here, which happens to be The Offspring's seventh studio album called Splinter. And it took like three and a half years for it to come out. So a lot of delays and stuff like that. And I think that hurt it a bit. Also, I do remember reading about this album coming out in advance, and the bad news, good news scenario is they lost their drummer, Ron Welty, and he was replaced on this record by one of my personal favorite drummers, Josh Freeze, who, of course, would go on to become now currently the drummer of the Foo Fighters, and then you got Brendan O'Brien back on the board, who did Conspiracy of One and some other stuff with him. So all those ingredients should make the album work more than it does for me, but it's definitely a drop-off from Conspiracy of One, which, once again, is my personal favorite album of theirs. But that doesn't mean there's not some good stuff on here. It's just that it's a bit of a letdown from the previous. And as a fan, you tend to do that in your head. So I, I judged it based upon that. And I still do that. When I listen to it, there's just something lacking about it for me. But once again, when it's good, it's pretty damn good. And it's enough to at least make it on the countdown here. I wasn't sure if it was going to be on here. It was kind of bubbling under a little bit, but it just made it here. I know this isn't a ring endorsement, but like I said, there are good tracks on here, like this one, for instance. A little bit later here on the record, this one is a nice little gem from Splinter by The Offspring. This one's called Never Gonna Find Me.
coming at number 47, that was The Offspring and their album Splinter. And that song was called Never Gonna Find Me. The really funny thing that I failed to mention before I played that song, because I was getting into the whole Josh Freeze thing, and I was getting into my own personal opinion about how the album was, it was pretty good. It was all right. I do like it better now than when it came out, because there's that distance there that really helps sometimes. But I do remember, because we were at the CD store reading Billboard.com every day and AllMusic.com every day, so just getting inundated with music news. And that's stuff we want to know about. If someone asks about something, we want to try to have an answer and seem like a bunch of know-it-alls. So I remember even promoting this to like customers. I'm like, Chinese Democracy is coming out because that's what Offspring was going to call this album. The album was supposed to be called initially Chinese Democracy and then parentheses, you snooze, you lose. And I thought that was freaking brilliant. If anything, that actually might amp up the album for some people. But unfortunately, they did not go with that. I wish they would have, but they didn't. And they went with Splinter. They sold it as saying this album is a little schizo in style, much like a lot of their albums, especially at this point in their career. But they went with Splinter for that reason. But I think it's a missed opportunity. They should have totally gone with Chinese Democracy. All right. Coming in at number 46 right here is a band making its debut here on Rock Strikes 10. A debut on the charts, as I like to say, because it was new to me. This is one of those bands I ran into crunching data for the 2003. And it's just like, hey, I'll listen to it. I'll give anything a shot, especially if I don't know what it is, because it could be something great. And this this thing's pretty damn great. I think with a bit of nostalgia, this album actually could have been a lot higher on the countdown. I know I've said that about other albums in the past, but it's true. Because I listened to this one again today, actually, in preps for this particular episode, because it was the one I was least familiar with over time. And it's like, man, this is a good fucking record. But I left it here at number 46. Let me know what you think. But this band here from Koblenz, Germany. Yes, thank you, Wikipedia. Is this band right here called Blackmail? One word, Blackmail, just like it sounds. You know how to spell it. Yes, okay. And this is their fourth album, apparently. I got some homework to do and listen to some other stuff by them. But this album right here is called Friend or Foe. And there's a question mark at the end of it. So it's not quite like the Adam Ant album. Because they're questioning whether or not this person is a friend or foe. But yes, friend or foe? Yes, by Blackmail. This album right here, really cool, Jim. This is another one of the reasons why I do things like this. To try to find really cool gems such as this. So I recommend a listen to this record. If you like heavy alternative hard rock, then this is going to be your jam right here. And you're welcome. So... To give you a bit of a preview of what it sounds like, here is my current favorite song off this record, and it's called It Could Be Yours. Maybe I should sit and stare It's so different now that you don't even care You have asked me with the grin If you could have it all Regret 
Okay, yes, new band right there for me once again. Coming in at number 46, that was Blackmail from their record Friend or Foe, and that was It Could Be Yours. On this listen today, I was like also doing the, yeah, I picked this song, right? Because this one really jams. I immediately on this particular go-around got a Go With The Flow, Queens of the Stone Age vibe off of that musically. Musically, it's very much like that song, but also proof that the lead singer's voice really dictates the identity of a band and a lot of their sound, of course, as much as the guitar tone does, if not more. So, yeah, with all that, obviously they've got some good influences, whatever their influences actually are. I know of one of them for sure because I did notice I was looking around trying to buy this like physically online. There's a few different versions. There's like a domestic and an international version. I got to get the international one because apparently they do a Killing Joke cover as a bonus track on one of the international versions. So I am on board with that. Any friend of Killing Joke is a friend of mine. So yes, there you have it. little blackmail. Check them out. Okay, this next one right here coming in at number 45. This song has a lot of meaning to myself and the entirety of cnjradio.com or anybody that's friends day one of our little website here and our podcast, not just Rock Strikes 10, but if you're a wrestling house show fan, this will also resonate with you pretty well. We're going to talk about one of my very few new metal favorites, quote unquote, new metal favorites, and that is Dope. I played Seven Dust earlier on this countdown, and Seven Dust gets lumped in there with new metal, so does Dope, and I, I understand it. And by the way, it's not coming back. I, I realize that there's a push to try to get new metal to come back and post-grunge to come back. It's not going to happen. It's It was a mistake. And once people realize, oh my God, we're starting to take Limp Biscuit seriously again, then the, the joke's going to be over. It's not going to be a thing. But I'm glad that some of the cream rises out there. I mean, hell, some people considered System of a Down to be new metal. And if that's the case, then I'll throw them in my short list as well. But I do like me some dope. A little bit more song-oriented. I like Edsel. He's a good writer, a good personality, and the band always brings it musically. Like, if, if I want that aggro, then I give Etzel Dope and Dope a call, because they always throw it the fuck down. And right here in 2003, they're on their third record called Group Therapy, and this one had a tall order for me, because as a fan, their second album, I know I talked about this before, but that second album, Life, is so good, and... So to follow that up and the fact that they did it very respectably, I was like, good on you guys. So they remained very consistent throughout their career and to this day for me. They're very consistent with me. Maybe some of you out there don't understand my fan with this band, but it, and it's a personal preference, but I do dig them. So I did reference Wrestling House Show earlier. And why did I do that? Well, because the song I'm going to pick to represent it and if you've only heard the first minute of it or so before, you're about to hear the full thing, finally, 
right here. And maybe I played this forever ago on the show, but I don't recall. So correct me if I'm wrong here. But yes, to represent the album Group Therapy by Dope, step it up because now is the time. Turn this one all the way up. Number 45 right here on our top 50 albums of 2003 countdown. That was dope with the album Group Therapy. And that was Now Is The Time. The official, unofficial theme song to the Wrestling House Show podcast. Available on cnjradio.com. I met Edsel once. He's a nice man. It was very nice to take a picture with me and sign the autograph and the whole thing. And we talked about some stuff here and there. So he seems like a decent guy. Hopefully he'll never get pissed at me for using his song there for the Wrestling House show. So, yeah, here's hoping. So, coming in at number 44 right here is kind of similar to what the Offspring entry was for me. This band, they may get on here a little bit, coasting on reputation. Even in 2003, I could kind of see that they were on a bit of a downhill slide, and unfortunately, it does seem like it was due to a lot of personal problems, as we now know, with the lead singer Peter Still. 
But Typo Negative did finally put out a new record out in 2003 called Life is Killing Me. And much like I said with The Offspring, it really was the fact that they were coming off such a high with my personal favorite albums of theirs. In the case of Typo, yeah, I, I like Bloody Kisses pretty well, as you could tell by the countdown that I just did for 1993. But as much as I like that record, I really love October Rust and World Coming Down. I think those are killer, killer records. They're best albums for sure. So Life is Killing Me at that point, by comparison, was a disappointment. Listening to it for the first time in a long time, I had pretty much the same opinion of it where I was like, there's a handful of songs in here that I think are quite good, and the rest of it just doesn't land for me. But the good stuff is good, as I like to say. I really like We Were Electrocute, stuff like that. And this one right here is one that actually stuck out on this go-around, so I'm going to play it here for you right now. So in case you haven't heard it in a while, or if you've never heard it, here's my favorite song currently off of Life is Killing Me by Typo Negative. This is A Dish Best Served Coldly.
typo negative right there from their Life is Killing Me album. And that was a dish best served coldly. Definitely very reminiscent of that Bloody Kisses October Rust era, which is probably another reason why I like it so much. But yeah, there you have it. And I had to do that quick fade because typo is one of those bands that just goes slamming right into the next song. They don't do fade outs. They just go, boom, here's the next song. Kind of funny. Keeps me on my toes, right? Just to prove that I'm paying attention and listening to these songs live as I record these episodes. Okay, coming in at number 43 right here. This is, I I hope I don't get into too much of an existential crisis right here. If you've been around like I have for this artist's entire career, as, as far as me being alive, it's very telling where you are in the pop culture realm, if you're still with it, if you're still following it. Uh, to an extent, it really does tell your tale. And I don't think that Weird Al Yankovic had this in mind when he first started to record music, but that's what he's become to me, is that it's a barometer of how with it I am or how switched off I am with pop music in general. Because he's a pop culture parodist, so yeah, I guess at this point in 2003, and yes, I say this as a guy that's hurling towards his mid-40s, at this point in 2003, I'm in my mid-20s, but already Weird Al making me feel like an old man, even 20 years ago, and being like, man, I guess the, either the music sucks or I'm getting old and I don't know what's going on. And so I really had a very shook moment here with this record. Although that being said, here's where the tide turns. So let's get into some positivity here. And yes, I am talking about a Weird Al record in 2003. Here on my countdown... I count his records as records to be contended with anybody else that year because it's only ever 50-50 parodies slash original. So I think it ought to count as going up against anything else during the year, and that's how I feel about it. It might be weird to you, pardon the pun, that it's not a not an end, but there you have it. Okay, so officially in 2003, Weird Al Yankovic puts out his 11th studio album called Poodle Hat which I, I don't understand why it's called Poodle Hat, and I don't understand why the cover's funny, so that that's a swing and a miss for me. I will say, as far as the parodies go on this album, most of the parodies do not land at all for me, because I just don't think, even though I don't like a lot of the original material, and that's true, I'm not a fan, I think some of these songs are terrible, originally to me it doesn't matter if you like the song or not it matters whether it's funny or not and i don't particularly think that most of the parodies on this album are very funny i would love to be able to replace that avril lavigne song with the weird al version but it's just not that good i'd love to be able to replace that nelly song with the song trash day but it's just not very funny it doesn't doesn't play so The old man here on the positive end is being like, you know what? You know what I'm starting to enjoy here in my quote-unquote old age? I'm really getting into these originals right here. I think the originals are quite funny. And this is the point where I kind of just meet on the other side of the road here. So I'm all about the originals here on this one. They're pretty much all funny to me. And I guess it just doesn't have the original working against it for me at this point. So there you have it. That's a little bit about me but also where I am with Weird Al. Maybe it says something about Al. I don't know. So the other thing that gets this album here on my countdown are two of the originals. And if you didn't know the whole thing, the originals are always supposed to reference a particular artist. So it's not a parody of a song. It's what he calls a style parody. 
and he tries to write in that band style. Case in point, Dare to be Stupid is the best Devo song that Devo never wrote. And that one's so good that if you saw the behind the music, Mark Mothersbaugh was like, I hated him for that song because it was really fucking good and he nailed us. So yeah, there's two on here that just nail it. And one is the song called Bob, which is a straight up style parody of Bob Dylan, specifically Subterranean Homesick Blues. Nails it. Go look up the video. Type in Weird Al Yankovic Bob. And I'm not going to spoil the joke within the joke, but it's great. Once you figure out what it is, it's like, oh my God, that is, I don't like to use the word genius very loosely, but it's borderline genius. And speaking of which, the closer on the album, Genius in France, which is a straight up greatest hits mishmash of all the Frank Zappa catalog, somehow condensed into a song that still clocks in at under 10 minutes. He just nails it. He absolutely nails it. It's something to behold, and it's one of his finer works ever in the history of his entire career. So yeah, Genius in France and Bob are standouts, and that pushes the album up really high for me on this countdown. But the other thing, I mentioned how I didn't like most of the song parodies, but I'm actually going to represent this album with the kickoff song, which is a parody. And on principle, I'm playing this because I thought this song was absolutely wronged from the word go, basically. And Al was very nice and diplomatic about this, but deep down inside, it had to piss him off. And I know it would have pissed me off. And I've been like, fuck this guy. Because Al's always very nice and very, very, once again, diplomatic with how he handles the parodies. He always reaches out to the artists, and if they're not down with it, then he doesn't do it. He doesn't put it out. And that's happened multiple times throughout his career. And that's the only drama... (laughs) And it's behind the music at all. So I won't go into details about those. You probably know about it if you know. If you know, you know. But this one right here, this really pissed me off. Because yes, Al got the nod to do the parody by the artist who originally did the song. So they were like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Put it on the record. But they put an asterisk on their approval and sign off on it. Where they told him that he'd rather Al not do a video for it. <laughs> so I'm like, what the fuck is that? You can't have it both ways. You can't get the rub and not get the video, especially if this is such a hot song. This is going to be a song that really helps the album a lot and helps Al out a lot, and that's the thing. It works both ways. So if you sign off on the parody, then it proves that you're a cool person and have a sense of humor. This person proved to have anything but a sense of humor, who also being a hypocrite now, this is someone who's like, hey, lighten up. It's, It's just words. And that's fucking Eminem. Fuck Eminem. They call him a genius. He's not a fucking genius. He's a goddamn hack that has pretty good cadence as far as what he does. But he's not a fucking genius. And fuck this guy for telling Weird Al that he couldn't do a video. This should have been the moment where Al was like, you know what? I'm going to fucking do a video anyway. No, he doesn't do one because he's too nice. Instead, if you want to go look it up, he does do a lone appearance to play this song live on Late Late Show. Not sure if at that point Phil is Kilborn or Ferguson, but they're both great. Uh, so go look up the performance where he just nails the lyrics 100% on point to this right here. And once you hear this, if you've never heard it, you're going to be like, that's impressive. He did it live without a net, and he's great at doing it. And I think most people do like this song because it is kind of like one of those Rocky montage kind of songs at this point. So I know the song really well, but that's the other thing. That makes the parody that much better because 
even though it's about a very basic topic, which Al does quite a bit because that's the thing. He's the voice of the people. Just the way that Al actually flows on this, and I'll say it, the way he flows on this really sells the parody. So in case you've never heard this before, I've now given you the whole backstory and prepared you for this. I think it's fun. So check it out. Here is Weird Al Yankovic with a parody of Eminem's Lose Yourself. This song is called Couch Potato. Enjoy. Look. If you had one shot to sit on your lazy butt and watch all the TV you ever wanted until your brain turned to mush, would you go for it or just let it slip? Yo. Remote is ready, eyes wide, palms are sweaty The Flintstones on the TV already, Wilma and Betty No virgin, the channel surfing and I'm HD ready So I flip, garbage is all I'm getting The Simon Cow, who folks wanna disembowel He opens his mouth, always says something foul They're dying, wow, wannabes are crying now He votes them out, time to throw in the towel Shows based on reality, oh, the humanity, oh Aussie's family show love profanity Whoa, the insanity Oh, dogs that crap and be home of depravity No, they live happily Yo, plus the Ali G show And celebrity mole Oh, and there's Anna Nicole She's scaring me Look, mono cavities Oh, it's a station break Better go out to the kitchen and microwave something You're gonna lose your mind watching TV They told me, they told me But I'm still tuning every show My cable gets C-SPAN TV Land and HBO The Travel Channel Discovery and Lifetime You're gonna I watch NASCAR racing, that show about undertaking Larry King to 24 to Line Order The Weather Channel's boring, like 60 Minutes, Ancient Reporters Next up on E-True, Hollywood Story The rise and decline of 12 actors named Corey Shows for next fall, they already been naming CSI Boise and Touched by an Uncle Both sound pretty layman, so does everybody tolerates Raymond And King of Queens jumped the shark the first minute I can't believe Richard Simmons ain't in it I move right on the way Simple rules for dating my teenage daughter Then I bet I watch The Bachelorette Followed by Welcome Back Cotter And the Muppet Show where they go when I'm out gonna lose your mind watching TV They told me, they told me But I'm still tuning every show My cable gets C-SPAN TV Land and HBO The Disney Channel and a and in Lifetime You're gonna lose your mind watching TV They told me, cajoled me But I still love Lisa Kudrow I'm looking at C-SPAN Are lost in space I've seen each amazing race And without a trace But I only watched Will and Grace One time, one day Wish I hadn't Cause TiVo now thinks I'm gay Oh, in Fear Factor I watched maybe a half hour After that Felt like I needed a long shower Network execs with naked ambitions Next week on Fox Watch Lions Eat Christians Like to tie up those programming planners Make them watch all of that junk Till their heads explode just like scanners Leech covered grub eating fools on survival there's James Lipton discussing the oeuvre of Mr. Rob Schneider And there's Gilligan and Spongebob Plus There's MacGyver and Jay Leno has got Madonna Hey, there's Luke Perry on a special all pig Latin episode of Drew Carey Wanna turn on E.T. cause I'm a gossip freak And I gotta know who J-Lo is marrying this week A 30 second spot, then we come back to Are You Hot? I was planning on recording The Sopranos, I forgot I love shows with or without 
the Cypher Channel and AMC and Lifetime. You're gonna lose your mind watching TV. They told me, cajoled me, turn off that Oprah Winfrey show. I got it on C-SPAN, TV, land and HBO. The Learning Channel and MTV and Lifetime. You're gonna you can watch anything you want to, man. All right. Whew. All right. Yes, I, w- I was definitely shot out of a cannon for that last segment, but I stand by everything I said there, and I feel better now because I've laughed a few times since you last heard from me because of Weird Al Yankovic, and that was Couch Potato. And, uh, yeah, I stand by that. Fuck Eminem. Because think about this. What if Michael Jackson had said, don't do the Eat It video? Or if Kurt Cobain had been so uncool to say, well, don't do a video for Smells Like Nirvana. No, they wouldn't have said that. Eminem's fucking stupid. Okay. All right, let's move on from all that. Let's get into something really nice. And I need something really nice right now after that. So coming in at number 42 here on the countdown is a debut record by this band right here who does not have a big catalog despite the fact that they've been around for 20 years now. They only have four full-length albums out. And this is a case where I actually like the second album more than the first album. The first album is quite good, and it does pretty well here on the countdown. But I can't wait to see what happens once we get to that second record to see how well it does, because it might do very well, but we'll see. But let's stick to the debut record here. This had a lot going for it, and I felt like it didn't really get the success that it deserved, honestly. And maybe there's a little bit of uh, what... Some people call Nepo Baby haterism on it. I I don't know, but here's what I do know. So this band, they're called Rooney. And the guy, Robert Schwartzman, who's the lead singer and guy that writes most of the songs, singer, guitarist, the whole thing, he's got famous relatives, including his brother Jason, which that makes sense. And they look very similar. And by that definition, that makes him cousins to the Coppola's. So that that's a whole thing right there. So maybe those kind of connections and showbiz connections hurt the band in the long run because people knew about it sort of in that sense. Maybe the same reason if you're a Phantom Planet fan and the fact that Jason played drums for them may have actually kind of hurt the band a little bit in the long run or the connection may have helped them get to where they got. Who knows? But we probably know the answer to those questions. But I will say Rooney actually had some quality music for sure. And this debut... Every time I go back to it, I think it's a pleasant listen. People like to throw the term power pop around a lot, which is something they like to use, if I could be so declined one about this. Uh, a term that people want to use because they don't want to say they're just a pop band. But Rooney is, in the basic definition of the classic sense, a pop rock band. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're not a power pop band, at least not on this record they're not. But I do like the album quite a bit, and that's nothing to be embarrassed about. So here's what I'm going to do with this record. It's a self-titled record, by the way. And I I should mention this. Here's some fun nerd facts, actually. Not just the freaking family tree here, but the fact that there's a handful of producers co-producing this record. One being Keith Forsey, who uh, you might know the most as a guy who worked on all the really good Billy Idol records. And he's got a resume a mile wide, so go look him up. Keith Forsey is definitely a force in the world of rock music. And also Jimmy Iovine co-produced this, which a lot of people know Jimmy Iovine is a record mogul, but he used to be a good rock producer back in the day. He produced those early Tom Petty records, starting with Damn the Torpedoes. So, yeah, to me, Jimmy Iovine's got producer cred. So 
there's there's a lot of positives going for this record, but unfortunately, they never quite got to that next level in popularity, which is a shame. And just having this song as a launch single and it being like this super duper catchy song in 2003, I don't know how this wasn't just a home run. It didn't turn this band into overnight sensations, honestly. So why it didn't work, I don't know. Like I said, there might have been some backlash there. I don't freaking know. But I'm actually going to play the launch single to represent this album for that reason. Also, it should have been a bigger hit. I'm playing it on my show because it's not like you ever hear it on the radio anymore. So here you go to represent the number 42 album here, Rooney's self-titled debut. This is Blue Side. I 
right there, coming in at number 42 with their self-titled debut album, and that was Blue Side, the first single off the record, and something that should have been a bigger hit, so I'm playing it here on the show. Nice, pleasant song. You hear elements of what might be, if I had to guess, all the prime influences there. I hear some Beach Boys, I definitely hear some Weezer, much because of the Beach Boys. And I hear a bit of a Cars vibe in some of the verses, and especially throughout the album, you hear that Cars influence. So that, that's what I think, at least. And if you like all those things I just said, then go listen to their stuff. We'll get to that second record, but feel free to jump to that second record if you want, because that's damn good. I'll talk about that later. Okay, last song here tonight on the show and coming in at number 41 is this band right here. For me, as a fan, a bit of a sophomore slump here, I would guesstimate that a lot of the fans probably think the same way because I never hear anybody just rave about this record like they did the first record and the first record by this band is so good it did really well on my 2001 countdown I'm not quite sure what number it came in but I know it did really well go back and check it out but we're talking about Tomahawk right here and I hate to beat them up but yeah I just did not think the second album was as good as the first one the album is called Mitgas if I have that correct I may not even be pronouncing that right, but Mitt Gas is how I see it. I will say on this go around here in 2023, 2023, what have you, I like this album now more than I did when it came out. I barely listened to it when it came out because it just did not resonate with me. I just didn't think it was all that great, but it sounds better now. Time has been a little kind to it, so it did pretty well here on the countdown. So let's reward it a little bit. Number 41, not bad. You, If you make it on this countdown, you're a good record, I will say. I, even if I have some criticisms about some of these records, especially here on, on the bottom 10, it's still stuff that I like at the end of the day. And I still like this album pretty well at the end of the day. Tomahawk, just a super cool band. One of the better quote-unquote super groups you'll ever hear. You got Mike Patton of Faith No More, John Stainer, the great John Stainer from Helmet, Trevor Dunn from Mr. Bungle on bass, and Dwayne Dennison from the Jesus Lizard on guitar. Just a great unit right here. And so, yeah, let's get into something right here. And, and non-coincidentally, this song sounds the most to me like it would have come off of the first record. So I'll play it for you here now, and I think it works as a pretty good closer right here. So to represent the second Tomahawk record, Mick Gas, this is Captain Midnight. Enjoy. Stop the rock, 
Yeah, once that drop happens there in the song, it's great. It just takes off. Pure, pure flight right there. With Tomahawk, that was Captain Midnight from Mick Gas, the number 41 album of 2003, according to me. Hope you're in for the ride here. This is the beginning of the top 50 albums of 2003. And we got some killer shows coming up here. The next four are going to be great. So stick with me here along for this ride. And I will say this at the end of each episode here, immediately following the super spectacular retrospective of 2003, finishing off with this album's countdown here, I will go right into covering what was, in my opinion, the best music of 2023. So until then, stay tuned for my better half Nola with the plugs and followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10, and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on SiriusXM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Post game show is brought to you by. 
Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it.